Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Radicals and Conversation, the monthly podcast from Pluto Press, one of the world's leading independent radical publishers. On the 7th of September, the world's largest arms fair returns to London. Organised by Clarion Events and the UK government's Defence and Security Organisation, or DSO, it'll feature hundreds of exhibitors, including many of the world's biggest arms manufacturers, Lockheed Martin, BAE Systems, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, Thales, and many more. Attending as well, at the invitation of the UK government, will be countless national delegations, including those from authoritarian regimes, countries in conflict, and countries identified as having major human rights concerns. No matter what they would have you believe, this is no ordinary industry event, and the arms fair has faced increasing censure and resistance every time it rolls into town. Back in 2017, this resistance took many forms, some symbolic, some more direct. One such expression of resistance was Art the Arms Fair, a volunteer-run gallery comprised of donated artworks, most of which related to peace, war, militarism or the arms trade. An original work by Banksy was auctioned off for a little over £200,000 and the money was donated to the campaign to shut down the arms fair. This year, as the arms fair returns to London's Docklands, so too does the gallery. I'm Chris Brown, and joining me today to discuss art, politics and militarism are two guests who are working at the heart of the issue. Rihanna Louise, an organiser at Art the Arms Fair, and Peter Kennard, one of Britain's foremost political artists and author of the new book, Peter Kennard, Visual Descent, a retrospective of Peter's work spanning the last 50 years. We recorded this conversation on Thursday, the 22nd of August. Yeah, so hi, Peter and Rihanna. Thanks to you both very much for coming on the show. Ever since we started this podcast almost two years ago, um, I've wanted to do an episode on the arms trade, which is something which I've campaigned on in the past. And in a world of kind of moral grey areas, it sort of sticks out as feeling quite unambiguously, you know, bad. So it's really gratifying to be able to talk about that in this month's episode uh, by way of something which is also very exciting, namely your book, Peter, and also Art the Arms Fair, um, which, as we're recording this, is just a couple of weeks away. Um, But before we dive into, I guess, the creative side of things, um, it'd be good to acknowledge why the three of us are sort of here today. Uh, And I guess particularly you, Rihanna, because in the second week of September, London will again play host to the Defence and Security Equipment International, or DSEI. And this fairly sort of anodyne acronym is, in fact, the world's largest arms fair, I think. It happens every two years over in the Docklands area of Newham at the Excel Centre. And buyers and sellers from around the world will come to network and they'll come to make deals. In 2017, I think there were over 1,500 exhibitors and they were selling everything from sniper rifles to tanks to combat aircraft and warships. And in past years, DSEI has also had cluster munitions being on sale there too. And most people in London don't particularly know that this is going on. So I was wondering, firstly, if, Rihanna, you might be able to tell us a little bit more about DSEI or DICE, as it's often more commonly referred to, um, who attends, who runs it, and why is it so problematic? Okay, sure. Hi, I'm Rihanna. Um, So I'm one of the organisers of Art the Arms Fair, which is an art exhibition which we run every two years to coincide with DSEI. Um, So as you've said, DSEI is one of the world's biggest arms fairs. And you'll find that most people, when you talk to them, they don't know that one of the world's biggest arms fairs is coming to London. They would think about arms fairs and arms deals as being something that takes place sort of underground, you know, behind, you know, I mean, it does take place behind closed doors. It is very secretive. But 
At the same time, and I think this is really important, it's very, very legitimised. The arms trade is institutionalised. DSEI itself is supported by the government. It's part organised by a government department. There's probably going to be people from government, I would imagine, speaking at DSEI, uh, giving, you know, speeches and and introducing people. So this is a very legitimised thing, but the general public itself, I think, would tend to be quite opposed to, uh, for example, Saudi Arabia being sold weapons of war, that they are using to kill civilians in Yemen. We all, we're all hearing about that in the news a lot at the moment. And it's not just Saudi Arabia, there's also Bahrain, there's also um, Hong Kong, which obviously is quite concerning right now, given the ways in which protesters are being dealt with. But essentially, just picture it as being all the regimes that you could think of that have this horrific human rights record that we don't want to be selling weapons to. We don't want them to be in London trading with us and with other countries around the world. Most people don't agree that that should be taking place. And we are horrified by the impacts of war on civilians, on children, on people being killed. And it all begins there. It all begins with the arms trade. And actually further back, it begins with government and institutionalised support for it. One of the sort of main aims that we have as an art exhibition is to use the power of art. A lot of people want to go to an art exhibition. It's a nice thing to do at a weekend or on a weekday evening. And to go and just be sort of startled by that visual impact of seeing artists represent the arms trade and the impacts that it has in the world. And we hope that by doing that, we're going to open up conversations and concern among people and also in the media, sort of raising the profile and raising the question of why is this taking place in the first place? Why is our government giving support to this? I mean, we don't want it to be happening anywhere. We don't just want to push it out of London, but we definitely don't want to be just endorsing and supporting it or just ignoring the fact that it's happening in the first place. And every year, um, well, every two years, it happens every two years, the protests seem to be getting bigger. Campaign Against Arms Trade, who we raise money for, are doing an absolutely stellar job. They're really incredible. The people who go, they try and essentially block vehicles from coming in um, to the Excel Centre, which, you know, carrying equipment or carrying, you know, whatever. And they've succeeded in the past at not stopping the actual thing from taking place at all, but definitely halting it and meaning that they've had to delay starting it. And the idea is that if they can actually cause enough disruption, then maybe the Excel Centre will decide it's just not worth it, or the organisers will say, well, we can't do this here anymore. And I suppose the thing is, is that, you know, some people will be happy to go to a protest, they'll be happy to to go and do that, but not everybody does that kind of thing. Um, and not everybody is in the circles where they're going to be talking about that. So we're trying to open up something a bit wider, and we hope that art will appeal to a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that the UK Court of Appeal recently upheld the, the ban on future arms sales to Saudi Arabia. I think that was in July. Mm-hmm. Um, their verdict stated that the UK government in selling weapons to Saudi had acted irrationally and unlawfully. So this isn't like a fringe a kind of um, out there opinion. This is like no, a, a very not. high court kind of agreeing with that. And so I think it, public- So it's illegal now? I, what I believe it is, is that they have suspended future arms licenses. So I think basically they now have to go back and review things. But all the existing things that are in place are already still in place and will go ahead. Mm. Um, But it certainly was groundbreaking Mm -hmm. um, and the result of an enormous amount of lobbying from Amnesty and and Campaign Against Arms Trade. Um, And it, it does prove, like you said, Chris, that this is something that most most people and the human rights organizations are in opposition to. Um, and yet there is money to be found in it, and that's where the problem is. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think 
I have a statistic here, which I think comes from Campaign Against Arms Trade. While Boris Johnson, the new prime minister, uh, hopefully not for long, uh, was foreign secretary, <laughs> he approved, I think, £1.2 billion worth of arms sales to Saudi. And there was a freedom of information request, which suggests that in 2016, he signed off on the transfer of bombs to Saudi Arabia just two days after they destroyed a food factory in Yemen, uh, which killed 14 people. Then a day later, uh, they bombed a school, killing 10. And then he signed further kind of arms transfers for bombs in the weeks that followed. Disgusting, mm. disgusting, yeah. yeah. As you've said, Rihanna, like the DSEI comes to London every two years. And every time it does, it is met with this resistance um, from activists and also from the local community. Uh, and that has taken the form of producing a newspaper. We've done that in the past. Direct action, as you've said, in terms of lock-ons. I think there's been critical mass bike rides. Um, people trying to prevent the the equipment and mm. the vehicles from actually making it into the centre. There's also been silent vigils, like Quaker meetings, academic lectures. Mm. Um, and there's also been this wonderful theme of creativity, I guess, yes. that's run through the whole yeah. thing. I remember I was talking at the, um, the last one mm. in the rain and then... A Dalek was yes. blocking the road. Yeah, yeah that a was Dalek great. surrounded by policemen. <laughs> I, I was literally about to mention that, and, mm. and Chaplin as well. I think yeah. was uh, under a truck. Right. Um, so I suppose in that sense, given that there's this very creative scene that's run through it, the singing, the samba bands, the clowning, the effigies, the costumes, it's kind of no surprise that. Yeah, I suppose it's not a surprise that at some point someone had the idea of harnessing mm -hmm. that in this other kind of Absolutely. direction that the gallery represents. Yeah, and I think there's something really powerful about opposing something so destructive with something creative. Mm. And that's obviously what we're, we're mm. trying to do. But certainly, you know, I would encourage people, obviously, please come to our exhibition, 3rd to the 13th of September, Maverick Projects in Peckham. But also do um, look at the Campaign Against Arms Trade website and see what you can get involved in. Um, because there are all kinds of different, different ways in which people go and protest. There's, um, I hope they're still doing it this year. There's a conference at the gates. They usually do a conference at the gates. Yeah, they have really academics cool. going and, yeah. and taking part, giving lectures and, and delivering papers. I think there's young people taking part this year. Because um, the actual feel of it, it goes right back to the, before your time, to the Greenham, when yeah. camp at Greenham, where you've got this enormous concrete bunkers. Mm -hmm. I think it was eight miles of fence. And then all this material was put onto it. Like it was the most amazing giant collage at weekends when everyone went down and the women stayed there the whole time, but the, everyone, we all went down at weekend. And then, so you got the horror of all this concrete and then on the fence was all this wonderful tapestry and yeah. grass was weaved into it and creativity. It was like the two were, uh, you know, completely opposed. And that that's a bit like being outside the arms fair as well. You've got this fantastic creative mm. feeling going on and yet inside you've just got these seen all the photographs of it and I've got the leaflets of what they do you know all these beautiful missiles in vitrine gold vitrines with amazing advertising slogans they could be advertising mm -hmm. chocolate bars you know yeah and I mean it's just the the level of blindness of it of, yes. uh, uh, is extraordinary yeah some of the things, because obviously it's not that easy to actually get into the arms fair itself, uh, you have to be a delegate. But one of our artists is called Jill Gibbon, you, you, you'll know yeah. Jill. Um, yeah. And she actually has managed to go undercover um, and sketch within arms fairs. And so that's her. That's the art that we'll be displaying at, at the arms fair this year. And we, and we did also in 2017. And they're just these really 
incredible pictures it was just sketches of, of what's actually taking place inside them and, and people and the the weapons that are actually there and it's so surreal and even she's also <laughs> collected the freebies or, or sort of giveaways that some of them have and they're just quite astounding in, in how um, macabre they are I suppose um, you know yeah, sort of yeah. sweet yeah, saying welcome sweet. to hell that kind of yeah. thing yeah. Um, I mean you've just mentioned one artist there and mm. Peter you're clearly another but there were a number of people involved in yes. contributing art to the to the first art, the arms fair. Um, how did that all come about? How did you bring it together? It is an incredible effort of a group of volunteers. Um, but, you know, it is it is quite hard. And I would just use this as a shout out that we need more volunteers because we're all sort of working full time and then and then doing this in the evenings or the weekends. And especially now it's it's crazy. But we have a number of us who are in the art world. And so they have connections and they just sort of put the message out that way. Uh, we've also one thing we've been doing this year is working with various different charities and seeing if they have any connections with artists themselves who would like to have their art displayed, maybe donate it and raise money for that charity. So there's there's all kinds of different ways in which we do it it's through tenacity and hard work of, of volunteers yeah, basically yeah, is is all yeah. it is i can tell you some of the artists that we've got this year if you would like um the one that's been embargoed the longest is anish kapoor he has donated a print um and that's incredibly exciting we're really glad to have his support um he has in the past been quite outspoken about guns in in the mm. u.s so i think this kind of followed on for that from him um obviously we have peter kennard who's taking over an entire gallery so that is really exciting um we have a couple of artists from yemen actually three from yemen oh, wow. um ahmed jahaf uh who's a graphic designer he's in, just incredible you'll you'll recognize some of his pieces and very brave you know he's actually working under uh you know bombardment and yeah. risking his Which life and, and very are. outspoken yeah. yeah and also um Sabah Jalas, who's a new one for us this year who is also in Yemen her brother died um in the conflict so this has been a very personal um conflict for her and her art is I find it very beautiful actually she what she does is she takes pictures of smoke from bombardments and, and bombings and then she sort of changes it into these images of hope or of peace. She often features women and children in her work. What we're showing of hers this year is uh, there's a tank and there's um, a girl sort of swinging on the tank and she tries to basically picture a different a different world, yeah. a different possibility, um, which given what she has gone through and is going through is, is quite amazing. We have an artist called Mayasa Alsada, who we just published a blog um, from her last night. Um, so she is in the Iraqi diaspora. That's what she says of herself. And that's what really um, inspires her work. She's an architect as well. And all of her pieces are, revolve around cities. And they look at kind of rebuilding cities after conflict. Um, I'm trying to think who else. We've got Hito Stale, so that's pretty exciting as well. And Shepard Ferry, who did the iconic Obama Hope yeah, poster. Yeah. He's actually given us three signed prints, which we're going to be auctioning, because some of these works will be, not all of them, but some of them will be auctioned on Friday the 13th. Yeah, mm. There's well, there's yeah. so many more, but I won't, yeah. I won't carry on, but they're, the they're just loads yeah. of incredible artists. So Peter, last time you obviously donated an artwork. What was that piece and what was the significance of it? When was it created? I'm trying to remember what it was two years ago. You know? Yeah, down yeah. It was a, I think it was, um, well, it was a montage that I've been making montages for 
50 years and a lot of them have been anti-war and when I heard about the art and the arms trade I, I thought it was an amazing idea to to get artists together to counter through their work what this arms fair is all about and it, it feels like there's more and more artists especially young artists now are feeling very intense about trying to make work that relates to what they're thinking about mm. the sort of life experience is becoming much more embodied in art again now rather than a very aesthetic sort of reading of things to me it's uh, something that will grow and it's it's really powerful and and we know now in the art world you know like um recently the whitney annual the head of the trustees there they found that he was owned a company that made the tear gas that was used in charlottesville and and there was a big campaign from artists and sort of art world people and in the end he he resigned and um and i was involved with a thing at the design museum where um yeah. hope Hope yeah. to know. I mean, um, it was an exhibition of radical work. So a place like the Design Museum want to show radical work and make money out of it. It was about 15 quid entry. But it was discovered that uh, arms dealers were going in for a jolly on the same night that the show was on. Mm. Um, there was a seminar going on at the show. Someone noticed all these suits going in and discovered it was they were from Leonardo, the arms company, seventh biggest in the world. And um, they were using the place for their mm-hmm. evening, you know. So there was a big campaign from the artists, which is something new. Artists, you know, sign petitions. But now they actually pulled their work out, mm-hmm. all these artists, and put it into a gallery in, in Brixton, the Brixton mm-hmm. Rec. That sort of campaigning is it didn't, hasn't, didn't actually have an effect on the design museum. I mean, I, I wasn't in that exhibition, but I, my work was in the permanent display, so I took it down. Mm. And they said um, we'd hear the results of their trustees meeting, and um, the, the results were completely anodyne nonsense. You know that they're they're just going to keep yeah. um, employing these people. But it, these things can't have an effect because the same company, seven years or six years ago, was um, called Finn Mechanica, which is another arms company. Yeah. They changed their name to Leonardo. Oh, I didn't know they changed mm. their name. Yeah, it's a great name for an arms company, Leonardo, isn't it? I mean, mm. Jesus. anyway, Finn Mechanica. We campaigned with the campaign against the arms trade, campaigned against them because they were also having arms dealers from Finn Mechanica in. Uh, was that in the National Gallery? National Gallery. I was involved in that one. Were you? Yeah. So a few, yeah. me and a couple of my friends went in in our sort of berets and sort of quintessential yeah. artist sort of clothes and um, started to create our signs or banners, you know, within the gallery Within space, the gallery, right. And then just stood up and started, you know, to present Great. it until we were... Yeah. Yeah. And I think there was a, a similar one outside the space as well. There must have been 20 or so people with easels all creating, creating, um, yeah. you know, adding a letter to a to a single, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, there were some really yeah. great actions, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, but you're right, this kind of art wash is so... I did a thing in front of the Hayway because I've got that one with cruise missiles and mm. before we moved on. But, yeah, but a couple of months later, they did, they did drop that sponsorship, you know. And, of course, yeah. Tate dropped BP, you know, so... The actual strength of artists and sort of art workers is growing now. This is, this is what this work's about, you know, and what this exhibition and, you know, Art the Arms Fair is about. Mm-hmm. is about saying that you can actually work outside the system in a way that is 
going against all this killing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, one thing that actually struck me, because you just said a couple of words that uh, are in some of the spiel that I've written here, but it's like words like anodyne and um, actually just the fact that you're talking about their use of the art industry, I suppose, these gallery spaces. Mm. And what they're trying to do with that is confer this legitimacy on themselves. And and I, I kind of one thought here, which was actually the way they present themselves in the first instance, they kind of adopt meaningless strap lines, these kind of very bland, ambiguous corporate sort of aesthetic in their logos. It's almost as though they want you to think they just sell financial services. Yeah. And actually yeah. a lot of the spaces they turn up to, whether that's a careers event at a mm -hmm. university, they're kind of rubbing shoulders with Deloitte and all these people. Mm. They don't want you to know what they do. And, and I think that they kind of adopt this very bland, anodyne Absolutely. kind of aesthetic in order to keep away that unwanted yeah. scrutiny. So do you mm. see your own art kind of relating to militarism and the arms trade as about stripping away that sort of clinical exterior, about showing it, exposing it for what yeah, it really is? Yeah, definitely. It's about um, revealing. I mean, I did this big installation. I had a show at the Imperial War Museum, and I made 100 visiting cards of all the top 100 arms companies, which all have these little lines like, we're here to help you, we, you know, all these extraordinary slogans they have. And then behind it was the actual reality of what these weapons are about. Because like you say, they're producing this slick advertising, which it needs to be ripped apart that. And, you know, in a very simple way, just to show what is actually what, what they're on about. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why they, they love having meetings in art galleries and things, because it gives yeah. a cultural, it's, it's better than hiring the Dorchester or something to hire mm -hmm. the design museum, because it gives you a cultural cachet, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think th that has to be fought all the way. Mm. Yeah, it does, it does make it complicated, you know, because the power of them using this euphemistic anodyne language and, and ways of working does have a big cultural impact, I think, on how we process who they are. I mean, even just calling them Defence and Security Exhibition yeah. International, we don't, they don't call themselves an arms fair. No. That's us who calls them that. And, you know, they don't call themselves arms dealers. They'll be in defence procurement. Mm. Um, mm. And so shifting language, it makes such a big difference to how we actually see mm. them. Mm. Um, like cruise missiles, you know, they're going on nice cruises. Each one's yeah. equal to 18 Hiroshima's. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. There's another um, artist called Darren Cullen actually speaking about cruise missiles. So but there's something new that he's done. Darren Collins is a satirical artist and he does a lot that's sort of anti-militarist. And there's an incredible video that he's got. If you search um, Spelling Mistakes Cost Lives, you'll see it on oh, his yeah. website. Um, and he, he's got this sort of passenger uh, airplane. He presents in the video, it's like um, the advert for that airline. and mm. But you go onto this airline and you can play essentially a video game where you're sitting in, in, in your seat and you're, sh you're essentially shooting missiles at targets as you go. So it's a passenger airplane, but it's also a warplane um, that's shooting missiles. And it's got this sort of lovely advertising music in the background and it's got mm. the people coming to um, serve you drinks and then you like have a nice sleep on the plane. And it's just, he really kind of mocks that whole respectable image you know yeah, and and sort of takes it image. to an extreme you know mm. um it's interesting because then if you if they do feel scrutinized i suppose by the wrong people by ordinary people they then kind of elevate their argument to this national security yeah, sort of discourse absolutely mm. but yeah. that's a last resort for them mm. yeah um, no of course mm. of, of course they'll do that and you have to think about as well even if you're talking about arms sales to saudi arabia the british military itself is involved in a lot of these things 
in a lot of these conflicts as well you know we're actually training military personnel are training Saudi Arabian personnel and helping them and we mm. the way in which that's presented is all we're sort of helping them to do it better so that they're not taught you know but that's yeah. the reality is that that's certainly not what's happened um but I do think that most people see past that and they realize that it's about money and this is why the whole thing is to just try and keep it out of the public eye by using this sort of language that people aren't going to stop. If they yeah. if they called it an arms fair, people yeah, would stop yeah, and think about stop. it. So just to, to go back to your work for a second then, Peter, I mean, you are very associated with this photo montage style. Um, it's quite an analogue approach, this sort of cut and paste method of assembly. This is something that I think there's like a lot of continuity with your very early work right through to today. When did you kind of originally develop that approach? What drew you to it? Um, I guess what are the political aspects of that kind of an approach? Mm. Well, I mean, I started off as trained as a painter, went to art school at 16. And um, it was the um, anti-Vietnam War demonstrations in London that set me sort of my political education. You know, it's, uh, it's finding out about what was going on in Vietnam and seeing the police it was a quite violent demonstrations you know seeing the police here and um then i wanted to find a way to represent that so i started using photography as well as paint because with paint it's got a whole history to it of the of the past and this was in the early 70s and it was a time when a lot of artists especially a lot of female artists were exploring different media as a way to break through the whole sort of patriarchal history of painting and art and um, photography became very important so I started making montage and trying to get work that will go beyond the art world that's the point I mean to me if you make political work one of the most dodgiest things is if it stays entirely within the art world you know I mean it's great to have powerful stuff in the Venice Biennale but that's still it's a it's a limited audience and if we're actually thinking now about art being part of changing the world, part of the struggle, a real part of the struggle, has to communicate to everybody. It can't be layered with theory and, I mean, this is my own feeling, you know, that if work gets too distanced, then it's not actually going to encourage people to think about what's going on. Because that's what I try and, I want to do in my way, is just develop critique in people it's not telling people what to do, but it's opening up areas that, like you're talking about, you know, how it's been normalised, this sort of smoothness, and the, they know how to do it, the, the arms companies, they know how to normalise it, so it looks like you're going to a furniture shop and you're really going to an arms fair, you know. So art has to break into that, has to smash through that, and become part of a struggle. I don't. I never believe art in itself changes anything. But if you make work and then you ally like with what you're doing with the arms fair and you ally with Amnesty or CND or, you know, all these different groups, then you can become a visual arm of it, mm. which can get young people involved as well because images are so important, you know. Absolutely. I mean, one thing comes to mind there is the... Uh the Iraq War selfie, right? The the 2005 mm. collaboration you did yeah. with, I think, Cat Phillips. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about by the name, it's the, the image of a jubilant Tony Blair in the desert taking a selfie in front of mm. big billowing clouds um, from an explosion. And that one, that one's really that, definitive, I think, for that sort of anti-Iraq moment. Yeah, that um, caught on. Moment. Yeah. Um, it's quite good because when Tony Blair dares to pop up 
th- that image gets put on oh, the yeah. internet and yeah. goes comes up under his website quite often doesn't doesn't, <laughs> doesn't stay there long they have ways of but yeah yeah that became i mean then that's just a simple thing of what montage is about it's two one image joined to another and that came back yeah i did a lot of collaborative work with another artist and still do called cat phillips so we we made a lot of work that was about iraq that's how we started collaborating and that one just took off as being i think people saw that as being what Blair was about, you know, this sort of manic stare with the explosions going on around him, holding up a, a mobile. And it was based on a PR picture for the New Labour that had young cadets behind it. But I did do a talk somewhere, and a six-year-old, you know, who are world experts on mobile, said that actual mobile that he's holding up didn't have a camera in it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and that seemed very New Labour to me. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> As a political artist then have you noticed there being much fluctuation in interest or in the kind of reception that your works received over the years yeah well if you go on long enough you know it goes up and down up and down but because of the you know we are living in a state of emergency now and we all know that and and unless the obscene horrors who are running the world are put down in some way um, we're all going to be destroyed. And that's got through, you know, I do a lot of teaching when we, with young art students. You can see they want to express something about that, about everyday life. Obviously, their lives are much more difficult than mine one, but when I was young, you know, I could squat and, you know, we haven't got fees art school. They're paying, they're paying an enormous amount for rent. They can see the, the inequality which is growing in the world at the most incredible rate. And making art, I think, is about your own experience and that they're experiencing in their own way mm. what's going on in the world, you know, the sort of destruction yeah. that capitalism is bringing. And, Absolutely. The and speaking of young people, we've actually got... I'm quite excited about this. We have, in one of the spaces in, in Peckham, the Maverick Projects we've got this year, because it's based in Peckham, there's a youth group called uh, the Bradfield Youth Club that's been around for quite some time and it's all sort of disadvantaged young people. It's a youth club that they provide activities, they give them food, things like mm. that. And so we approached them and we said, would you like to work with a you know an artist that we know and uh, produce something for the exhibition? And they've produced this incredible, this group of, of young, well, children really, they were actually quite young, under 15, and they sort of did it in solidarity with young people around the world who are impacted by armed violence. But the armed violence that they know of is, is knife crime. Yeah. Um, and so it's about knife crime, this piece that they've done. And it's mm. it's really profound to me um, that mm. they that they sort mm. of captured that reality of violence touching their lives and then and then expressed their solidarity with how it impacts on young people and children around the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, certainly it was a, a great way for them to explore to that as well through yeah. art. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've, yeah. you know, run tons of workshops. I always do have an exhibition. And if you provide the equipment, you know, just a, a printer and paper and glue and paper and magazines, it's incredible what people mm. will do, you know. I mean, I remember when I was doing it with Kat in Coventry and we have groups come in so that um, their care worker brought in these kids that have been thrown out of school, what's it called? They've been, 
know, were excluded. Excluded. Mm. And they came in and they sat around here, oh, you know, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah, looking really bored. And by the evening, they wouldn't go. Yeah. They produced the most amazing work, you know, because they, they had so much to express mm-hmm. when they realised there were no rules about the expressing of it. You know, they, they could use any materials, they could use photographs of themselves, which, you know, you have cameras. All the technology now exists to do amazing creative workshops very cheaply, you know. It's just finding the places to mm-hmm. do it. But it has the most enormous effect. And we've done it with very old people and um, people with mental disability. Mm-hmm. And just making work and that community of sitting around tables making work is so powerful. You know, and in itself, that to me is really political. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it sounds like that's what these kids have done. Yeah, yeah. no, I think and so. And would feel very empowered by doing it. Yeah. yeah, and there's some other community art as well. I think there's also the Woodcraft folk. Yeah. You all yeah. know there's a, they're a, a youth movement. They've just had a summer camp in which they produce something too. Because we want to have um, really diverse art. So we've got leading artists like yourself and, and you know, Nish Kapoor and Hito Steyl. We've got artists from countries that are impacted by conflict and we've got communities producing art um, mm. and, you, you know, protest art and, and all kinds of different things, which makes it quite an exciting and unusual exhibition in itself. Yeah, no, I think it's amazing what you've done. And it, it's all volunteers, isn't it? We actually, um, we really we really do need volunteers. So this is going on the 1st of September. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's two days away from it starting. So we're two days away from it starting on the 3rd, mm. 13th. There is absolutely time for any last-minute volunteers to drop in to just help even go and, and be there to, you know, just be yeah. there while people are coming because it's actually open during the day as mm. well as in the evening, which obviously when a lot of us are working, it's quite hard to organise that. But it's it's a really exciting thing to be involved in as well. I mean, yes, it's, it's hard work, but I've been so inspired by the people that I've been working mm. with, by the creativity and the drive and the passion and just really trying to pull off this incredible thing. And we want to do justice to the artists that we have. We want them to be happy with how their work is presented and who we get there and how the media talk about it. Mm. So fingers crossed it's going mm. to go all go really well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it symbolises as well, doesn't it? Because art in itself is important activity in the sense that it's it's one of the few places where the corporations are not in control even though they're yes. in control of sponsorship i mean there's a whole art world which has got more and more disgustingly about money and you know sotheby's have their curators the curators have the gallery you know the, the nexus of it is horrendous mm-hmm. on the other hand there's an alternative that is getting more and more powerful as well that, that are not looking to that art world but mm-hmm. are, are working in other ways yeah with communities and uh, actually thinking of ways that you can build creative thinking you know through everyday life rather than in this bubble of the art world this which has become more and yeah. more about money mm-hmm. so you're donating another artwork again this year i believe yeah. in addition to the full gallery takeover so it's clearly much expanded since the the 2017 yes. art the arms fair uh, and there's going to be yeah, these three gallery spaces yes. and events going on in the evenings as well. Do you want to say a little bit about some of the events? We've got some great music events going on. Um, there'll be some poetry. There's a comedian. I think Mark Thomas is involved. By the time this is coming out, we will have a full events mm. um, calendar on our website. And it's a great, you know, you can go along in an evening um, mm. and there's all kinds of things taking place. There are three different locations, all in Packham. Mm. So it's worth looking at 
which exhibition you want to go to you can go to you know you can go to all of them and the events are taking place um in in one specific location mm. Mm. Um, and obviously um peter has mm. the amp gallery so that mm. that's very exciting yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about the work that's going to be yeah in well, the, the, well the work that they're, they're, they're however many we can get in it might be about 12 might be 14 because uh, it's going to be like an installation in this because it's not an enormous gallery but they're a meter wide by three meters high so they're like long thin paintings that are leaning up like they're sort of the idea is they're like a sort of tombstones leaning up and each one's got a, a medal on it it's got the it's got the ribbon of a medal which is torn and frayed and they're based mainly on american and the american flag and the british flag and they would started off the series at the time of iraq but and then instead of the medal, you know the the glory of the medal, you get the victim of war, or you get a broken up landscape, or you get a crosshairs of a so called smart bomb mm-hmm. underneath. So and, and they're all exactly the same height. They clasp of all the medals. That's really a very simple dialectic of changing the idea of the honour of the medal into the victim. And, and of course, medals are never shown in any way next to the victims of those wars, you know. It's not anti the soldiers. I mean, I've shown it, some of them in the Imperial War Museum and I got a lot of ex-army people who didn't see it on a, as an attack on them, which is right, mm. but they saw it as an a, attack on war, you know, yeah. and what, revealing what the medals were about. And that iconography of the medal is really powerful in terms of, you know, anti military's process isn't it because there's been some quite high profile protests and visuals where you've had veterans throwing away their medals yeah, um yeah. you know coming out of iraq and afghanistan because they're so horrified by what they've been taking part been. in and what they were asked to do and mm. just expressing this disillusion with the entire thing and saying we don't want <laughs> i don't want what this we medal represents yeah. i've seen obviously i've seen photos and they're really powerful I mean, it's a nice space for it because it's very contained. Mm. So I want them to have a sort of quite a visceral sort of impact. And you can go and see them and also buy Peter Kennell's new book. (laughs) Um. Absolutely. (laughs) Glad you mentioned it. Yes. Uh, Just came out two days ago. That's a new retrospective. It's looking back at 50 years of Peter's career. It's called Peter Kennard Visual Descent. And as Rihanna says, it's going to be available there throughout the course of the, well, the 10 days, the 3rd to the 13th. Um, I'd like to hear about the the piece that you're donating. It's a print. So I made a one-off print of of um, six of the medals. So they're okay. small. Okay, oh, wonderful. So, um, like next to each other. Next to each other. Lovely, okay. So they make a sort of series of, yeah. So oh, fantastic. No, I think it's... In, as artists, no one does get asked to donate a lot of work all the time, but mm. it's obviously some an important way of organisations keeping going, okay. and that's part of that relationship between artists and the yeah. You know, and uh, certainly, we we did in um, twenty seventeen. We raised a lot of money for the campaign against arms trade. Yeah. Um, Was it two hundred and five? Two hundred five grand. Yeah. yeah. For banks. Um, for yeah. the banks, for the sale of the banks, then a little bit more than that. Hmm. There's pieces for sale. Um, you know, during the during the exhibition, you can go. Um, but there's also an auction, which is on Friday the 13th. So the Banksy itself was auctioned, and that was very exciting. Yeah. yeah. And it goes towards a half, I think, the campaign against the arms. And have to reprieve. Which is yeah. an amazing 
organization yeah because they have all this research they have the facts yeah you know and you and they're very open to people yeah. going along who want to actually find out about the arms trade yeah it's exactly true. i came down from work for my dissertation and spent two days in their archive Did yeah. You? Yeah. yeah these aren't big ngos mm. where the money is just you know mm. these are small organizations where actually that kind of money that we're raising is absolutely transformational and so it was really exciting this year when campaign against arms trade had that you know success in the in the courts and you know actually taking the british government to court and just thinking we're we're raising money to help them to do stuff like that mm. um, and that's incredible so it's it you know we're really really grateful to all of the artists that do um yeah. you know donate and support us and the, and the other thing that's happening now is awareness of climate and the demonstrations against it joining up with the anti-war mm. groups, which is what's got to happen. If anything's really going to be saved in this world, they've got to join together. Mm. You know, and, and the actual facts of the American weapons industry, they use more oil than any other... The impact on the environment is shocking, yeah, isn't it? more yeah. oil than any other um, organisation in the world mm. for their death products. You know? mm. So the, the connection between weapons and climate catastrophe and it's absolutely they're absolutely yeah. integral to each other so mm. in that sense it's widened this sense yeah. of protest you know? i mean besides even the sort of causational thing of the damage that, that's been done by producing the weapons and but you know the environmental destruction of war mm. uh, there's also the the need to divert resources into yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> into different kinds of industry and yeah. in different different ways of working in the world mm. before before it's too mm. late no, I completely agree. We really do need to, you know, join. I mean, the, I mean, the Lucas Aerospace workers in the seventies. I wrote about it in my book. They had this alternate plan when they were going to be made redundant. And they made weapons there at Lucas, and they came up with amazing things: um, carts for spina bifida kids and forms of heating that were renewable. All mm. these things using the exact plant that made yes. weapons. Mm. You know, yes. and they came up with a plan. And Tony Benn was going to. He did support it, but it didn't get the support of Parliament. Yeah, you know, and, that, and and those ideas are, are, are coming through again now. I mean, yeah, there's absolutely. a big interest in them. Yeah, there is, and I know campaign against arms trade, and this is why it's great to raise more money for them. So they've got time to do more <laughs> campaigning around stuff like this. But they've got a whole area of resources on their website about arms to renewables and how yeah. actually the arms industry could be shifted that way. Because when you're involved in you know anti arms trade campaigning, one of the arguments you might get is, but what about all the jobs? Yeah. <laughs> what about all the industry jobs? Mm. Um, and they've they've done this piece of work to basically show that actually industry could be shifted um, yeah. in a different direction and, and yeah. beyond that i mean the the argument that the jobs argument that it's good for the economy in fact the arms industry is subsidized again from the cat website um in 2014 the government spent 30 times more subsidizing research and development for the arms industry than it did on an equivalent research and development for renewable energy in 30 times more so it's, like, uh, it's quite shocking yeah. isn't it yeah. especially given you know right now with the amazon being on fire yeah <laughs> it's just what what's yeah. what's more important right now mm. well i'd like to thank you both very much again for coming on the show today thank you. yeah so peter kennard visual descent uh, that's available to buy now on plutobooks.com you can get 30 percent off on the book if you add the code kennard30 at the checkout if you're based in London or if you're travelling through and you want to get hold of a signed copy, then you can head over to Foils on Charing Cross Road. And of course, everyone should come down to Art the Arms Fair between the 3rd and the 13th of September. As we've said, Peter's Gallery Takeover is going to be at the AMP Gallery on Acorn Parade in Peckham. 
and that'll be open between 12 and 8 every day and 10 and 8 on the weekend. So all the info that you need is online at artthearmsfair.com and we'll also be donating 10% of all of our book sales um, at the gallery to Campaign Against Arms Trade as well. Lastly, if anyone wants to get involved, uh, Rihanna's exhorted you all to come along and volunteer. So um, you can definitely find out more, again, on artthearmsfair.com. And if you're just interested in resisting the arms fair as well, then there's information online too. Uh, you can go to stopthearmsfair.org.uk and also to cat.org.uk. That's cat with two A's. So thanks for listening to Radicals in Conversation. And if you've enjoyed the show, then leave us a review, share the links, tweet about it, all of that kind of thing. And we'll be back with another episode next month. So until then, goodbye. Thank you.